1: This is Paula Nations from Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God International, and you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Our God is such a good and kind Father. Do you know He uses situations and circumstances to show Himself to us? And did you know He uses those same situations and circumstances to teach us His principles and His way of doing things? When my children were young, elementary school and middle school age, we had a pool in the backyard where the children would spend summer hours. Then I would call them in to get out of the pool. It was time to come in the house, dry off, and get dressed. Not a child would get out of that pool. I would call again, come in, get dressed, and still they continued to play in the pool. Then as I walked down the sidewalk to the car, They would say, Mom, Mom, where are you going? And I would say here or there. And they would say, I want to come. I want to come. Wait for me. Wait for me. And they would holler and cry. But my answer was a steadfast no. And I would continue walking to the car. But before I got in the car, I would remind them, I told you to get out of the pool, but you did not. So now stay at home. And by the way, Your dad has your chore list in his hand. So you need to get out of the pool now because the chores need to be finished by the time I get home. And I won't be gone long. If your list is not completed by the time I get home, you will not be in the pool tomorrow. It did not take too much for them to get the idea that when I told them to get out of the pool, I meant get out of the pool. After that, when I called them to get out of the pool, they would encourage each other to obey. One day after calling them to get out of the pool, I happened to overhear them discussing their options. I remember my sweet, gentle daughter, Kelly saying, we have no choice, we have to obey. And so I am here today to encourage you to obey. I urge you to tune your heart's hearing to the spirit's voice and do not turn a deaf ear to him today. Time is short. Do not think you continue making your own plans, doing your own work, and not suffer loss or grief. We read in Hebrews 3, 7 through 13. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the day of the rebellion, during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared my oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hebrews 4:11 is our directive, our marching orders. It says, "Make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following the children of Israel's example of disobedience." Let us look at the account of the children of Israel and make every effort not to duplicate their pattern of sin and unbelief. The generation that walked away from slavery never stepped into their promise because of their unbelieving hearts. They never entered into the rest, so they never possessed the promise. It was not because they had not obeyed. They did obey. They painted their doorposts with blood. They ate their roasted lamb in haste. The bread in the kneading bowls had no yeast in it. They obeyed. They camped out and lived in tents when they had never ventured further than their mud houses. But yet, they missed the promised land. They never entered the rest. How can that be? How can God say they were rebellious when they did all these things? They outwardly consented, but their hearts held doubt and unbelief. In the heart, they had not settled that God was in control, and that he would make His word come to pass, for that is who he is, and there can be no other outcome. They also missed the connection that the God of the universe wanted to partner with them personally as individuals and collectively as a nation to transform the world they lived in at that time, for his glory, for their benefit, and for the benefit of the world around them, and for all the generations yet to come. To accomplish his plan, the children of Israel would have to let go of everything that they knew and believed to be true. They would have to be willing to be transformed into new individuals and a new nation. They walked away from slavery, but continued in their hearts and minds as slaves. They saw and interpreted their situations and circumstances as slaves. Slaves do not own today and invest in tomorrow. Slaves do not establish a nation slaves do not create a culture. Slaves are not partners in enterprise. God's plan had no room for slaves. He desired a people who would see the vision and believed him through the process. Or at least, if they could not comprehend and see the vision, at least believe him. Because over and over again, he had proven his plan, his protection, and his provision. But to be transformed requires change. Change in the midst of of great change. And that was and is the point of disobedience. They refused to believe. They refused to be transformed. They refused to change, thinking their way was better. Over and over again, the challenges came and they responded as slaves, as a nation of slaves, a people whose heart had not changed. And over and over again, the response was the same, grumbling, complaining, murmuring. Grumbling, rooted in fear and unbelief, challenging God's character and love, considering Him like a God associated with their time in Egypt, thinking of their past experience and what they had seen, not thinking of the greatness of God or the promise that was before them. They complained, measuring what they saw through the eyes of their past slave experience and heart position. Murmuring, the heart meditations that brought into question God's motive and intent. Murmurings that questioned and doubted their success because they eliminated God. They shut him out and never considered him. Focusing the eyes of their hearts on themselves, ever magnifying themselves, never magnifying God. If all this sounds familiar, I beg you to stop. Repent. Do not be counted among the wicked or the rebellious as a result of an unbelieving heart. God openly demonstrated himself before them to persuade them, to convince them, to leave their old heart ways, their old heart beliefs and patterns, calling them to become a people with a new heart, a people with a new identity, the people he needed them to be so the plan of promise could be completed but they would never would leave the old thought patterns the old attitudes the old values because of comfort convenience and familiarity they held on to the old because up to that point it worked it was what they knew during a time of great upheaval and much unknown they failed to listen and obey the warnings slaves walking as free men are still slaves god could not use slaves He wanted partners who believed him, who saw his vision, and were willing to participate in that vision. But they would not move past the experience they knew, fortifying their own hearts with their thoughts, opinions, and plans. Consequently, they never entered the rest, and they never entered the promise. They missed it. Their unwillingness to let go, to be transformed, caused a greater and greater level of hardness of heart and their unbelief would not permit them to enter into the rest. We see all this come to a head in Numbers 13. A leader from each tribe was sent out to spy the land for 40 days. It would seem that God had not yet disqualified these people. Even with all the murmuring, grumbling, and complaining, Still, God wanted them to obey. He was setting them up for great success. He wanted them to occupy the land of promise. He was their greatest cheerleader. He was cheering them on to enter that place of transforming obedience and trust, the place of rest, of preparation, of occupation. Then, after 40 days, they came back, and reported to Moses and Aaron, and the whole Israelite community. And they gave Moses this report. And this report is found in Numbers 13. We went into the land into which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They are as giants. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Did you grasp what they said? Did you hear that? They said, oh yes, it is everything God told us. It does flow with milk and honey. And oh yes, it is a wonderful place. But, but, that but was the evil report. That but was the doubt. They failed to remind their hearts that before they ever saw the land, God had already spoken about this great place. He told them that it was theirs. They did not believe him. They added the but. They set the limits. They added their wisdom and their opinion. The report is a summary of the situation from their old slave mentality. It was a report from that old heart place. It was not a report in partnership with God. Number 14 continues the account. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled. If only we had died in Egypt... Or in the wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Woe is me, pitiful me, let's go back to Egypt. They spent everything and they were willing to go back to Egypt? That was the evil report that spread throughout the camp an emotional tornado of evil report that was ripping the fabric of the nation apart. In their tents, in the private places of their heart, in their private heart thoughts, they did not believe God. They did not believe that he was greater than the situation or the circumstance. They did not believe that he was enough to keep his promise to them. They did not stand and defend God in their own hearts. Instead, they submitted to their own emotions, they submitted to their own understanding, sinning in their hearts, and consequently hardening their hearts against God. God answers their unbelief. He tells them, Every male, twenty and over, who has grumbled against me, will not ever Enter the promised land. He also continues, For forty years, one for every day of the spying out, your children will shepherd your flocks in the wilderness because of your unfaithfulness. To this point, we see the obvious unbelief of the people. They did not believe God. But what happens next has open rebellion written all over it. Pure, unadulterated disobedience arrogance. The story continues. So the men Moses had sent to explore the land, who returned and made the whole community grumble, these men, who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land, were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Moses reported all this to the Israelites, and they mourned bitterly. But listen to this. By early the next morning, The very next day, just overnight, that they had gotten over their mourning and cooked up a plan, a plan that did not include repentance, a plan that tried to circumvent God in his judgment. The Bible says early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country saying, now we're ready to go up to the land the Lord promised. Surely we have sinned. What? What? They said now they were ready to go up to the land of promise and tacked on, surely we have sinned? What depth of sin and hardness blinded them? After all this, they still did not partner with God. They did not believe him. They did not believe his promise, his blessing. And now they don't believe his judgment. Moses tells them, don't go, don't go. You will not have success. You will be defeated by them. But the Israelites did not listen. They assumed, they presumed, and proceeded with their plan. You guessed it, they were defeated. Their rebellion and unbelief ran so deep, the sin so hardened their hearts, that the lie of sin was as truth to them. We are warned, do not be like them. Do not harden your heart, so you are denied the rest and miss the promise. Do not miss what you have longed for, planned for, dreamt about, because you are stubborn in your attitudes and in the rebelliousness of your heart. The rest is the result of the heart's transformation. The rest is a confidence rooted in the love relationship we share with Jesus. That love relationship transforms us, giving us an abiding confidence of who we are, and our place in the plan of promise. It gives the ease to be still and to obey. That is so important, I need to say that again. The rest is the result of the heart's transformation. The rest is a confidence rooted in the love relationship we share with Jesus. That love relationship transforms us, giving us an abiding confidence of who we are, and our place in the plan of the promise. It gives the ease to be still and listen to obey. The rest is not the promise. The rest is the completion of the transformation that must take place before the promise. It is the preparation prior to the promise. Holy Spirit showed me the rest must be possessed so the promise can be occupied. We cannot occupy the promise as we are. We must change. The old wine skins cannot hold new wine. We are not ready without being transformed. The preparation is in the transformation, it is in the humbling of the heart. It is making Jesus supreme Lord of your life, making Jesus commander and chief every day, asking, always asking, never assuming or presuming. Making the priority of asking, listening, and obeying a daily discipline. So much so that this discipline is who we become. It is a lifestyle that transforms us. That is the rest. No longer doing our own work, our own way, trusting our loving Heavenly Father and His plans. Pastor Chris Sasso has said many times we are in a season of golden opportunities. These are not opportunities to make gold. These are opportunities that are ripe for us to walk into the power of transformation through obedience. One moment, one step at a time, that creates explosive change. The time is now. The time is swiftly moving on. I implore you, do not delay. Do not let today become tomorrow. Examine yourself, not in the light of your own heart, but under the light of the Holy Spirit. Ask to have the eyes of your heart open to the golden opportunities that transform. His love empowers us to obey. Remember, humble yourself. He will be right there to comfort you, to guide you. You do not do any of this in your own strength and your own wisdom. Ask, be still, positioned to hear the instruction, then walk in it. Be faithful obedient, and willing to change, to be transformed by the power of willingness, the willingness to obey. Again, discipline the priority of asking, listening, and obeying, making the priority of asking, listening, and obeying a daily discipline. Allow him to change your habits, change how you use your time, where you go, What you think about. Make room for Jesus to change you. Humble yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And he will not let you fail. Love empowers. Faith sustains. And obedience transforms. It is who we are to become. Ceasing from our own agenda, our own opinions, our own works. Throwing it all aside to be transformed and occupy the place of rest. Prepared and ready to occupy the promise. But first, we must be willing to be transformed. Let us make every effort to quickly obey allowing obedience to transform our hearts. Do not delay, for the time allotted to be prepared, transformed, to possess the rest, is quickly coming to a close. The time to occupy the promise is at hand, but only those who have ceased from their labors and who have possessed the rest will enter. Let not the deceitfulness of sin lie to you, and cause you to think none of this applies to you. Let not the deceitfulness of sin cause you to believe that head knowledge is the same as faith, or that to know about Jesus is the same as intimately knowing Jesus. When the season of transforming to the rest is past, it will be too late to prepare, for then we will have stepped into the time of promise. Do not delay. Examine your ways. Repent. Obey. And be transformed. I encourage you to obey, as it is still today. Holy Father, I thank you for your deep love for us, that you are constantly teaching us of yourself and your ways. We repent for our sin of unbelief, stubbornness, hardness of heart, and rebellion. We cry out for change. We cry out to be transformed, to enter your rest, so we may be prepared for the promised place that you have for us. Holy Spirit, lead us into change, and that we may not resist you, but that we would embrace you and embrace the work that you are doing in us. Guide us, direct us, and may we be quick to obey with soft hearts and listening ears. May we show you that we love you. And now for all those who have sickness, disease, illness, and suffering in their bodies or in their minds, I bring them to you, Jesus. The Bible says that all who were brought to you, you healed them all. So now in the mighty name of Jesus, I speak deliverance. I speak freedom. I speak wholeness. I speak healing. I speak restoration. With great joy and thanksgiving, we rejoice in the finished work of your word to us and in us and through us. And in Jesus mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Please join us on Sundays at 10:30 a.m. Central Time. And on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central Time via sogmi.org. That's S O G M I.org. Or find us on YouTube. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.
0: Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. We really hope you were blessed by today's episode. And if you were, we want to hear from you. You can call us at 210-695-1630. Or you can email us at sogmi at outlook.com. That's S-O-G-M-I at outlook.com. And we really encourage you to visit our website, sogmi.org. That is S-O-G-M-I dot org. That's where you can listen to previous episodes of this podcast and even support this broadcast.